0: Hello and thank you for listening to episode 265 of 60 minutes with i'm dave and this is another of our soundcheck interview shows and in this one i get to chat with singer songwriter guitarist and founding member of savoy brown kim simmons all of this is ahead of the release of the and get ready for this the 42nd savoy brown album ain't done yet which is going to be released by quarto valley records on august the 28th and as you'll hear in this chat, I've had the pleasure of listening to the album now for over a week. Absolutely love it. Uh, you know these interview shows by now. I only talk to people whose work I really love. And again, you'll hear in this show that I've been a fan of, uh, of Kim and Savoy Brown for over 40 years now. So having the chance to, to chat with him it was absolutely brilliant. And when you've got a career that spans over 50 years to fit into the half hour that we had... You can't fit everything in, as much as I would have loved to have chatted to Kim for hours on end. Uh, But we do, we do fit in stuff from when he was just 17 years old and founding the band right the way through to the release of the latest album. Uh, And I'm sure that Kim will be back on the future show because there's so much to chat with him about. So to begin the show, before we get into the actual chat, which is of course why you'd want to listen to this show, and... uh, Let's start it with the opening track and the first single from that upcoming album and it's called All Gone Wrong.
1: It's all gone wrong
0: Uh, well, to begin, Kim, thank you for spending some time with me. This is uh, yet another show that I've been looking forward to for ages. So, thank you very much for giving
2: me some of your time. Oh, well, I'm, I'm glad that uh, you're enthusiastic about talking
1: <laughs> oh, nice to me. Oh, nice to
0: Oh, no, I've been, uh, and we'll get into this in, a, in a, just a little bit. I've been a fan of Savoy Brown since the early '80s, so having the chance to spend a little bit of time chatting with you is absolutely brilliant. Uh, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you even further back to quite a splendid year 1965 because not only is that the year of my birth but it's also the the year that you founded Savoy Brown at am I right in saying this the very early age of 17?
2: Yeah I was 17 when I started the band I was 18 when we made the first singles 66 and I was 19 in 67 when we made the first album wow. so well, yeah I was uh, quite young uh for the time and much younger than my contemporaries they were all you know 21 or something so uh, (laughs) I was always the young guy and uh uh yep yep
0: God that must have been such a huge step for you at such an early age as well I mean what was it like back then at you know like you said just age 17 to to start a band and then did you know already then that was the path that you wanted to take
2: uh Yes. You know, I I was, you know, you just, you're a precocious young person, you know, and uh, you, uh, you you're putting all the pieces together, you know, you, you are, you know, you're, you're aware of some things and you're not aware of others. You know, you're very, very young. I was very naive in many ways. And, and yet I was very grown up in other ways. You know, I, I had you know, I could play the blues, which is uh, really an adult form of music. You mm-hmm. know, you have to have some depth, you know, to uh, of li- really of, of sort of life experience to to play. But I, I had that ability to sound much older, you know, as a as a player. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was um, it was a confusing time, you know, 17, 18, 19. Uh, I wouldn't want to go back to that time. I would love to go back musically you know mm-hmm. but yeah. as a person you're still growing up and 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 you're very confused about everything you know yeah. about who who you are and blah 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 <laughs> but um you know and i was quite shy and uh so i never really interacted that much with the uh, my contemporaries because they were much so much older you know and uh, that you know between you know 45 and 51 who who cares but from you know 17 to 21 at that age there's a wide gap (laughs) yeah it definitely is what was that what was your
0: shyness like when you first stepped onto a stage how did you overcome that
2: well that was it i was um you know i think i was clinically shy you know and i used to remember my parents talk you know he'll get over it and stuff like that in the background you know and uh so it's strange to say uh, I could hide behind the guitar on mm-hmm. stage, you know, and literally at sometimes I'd hide behind the amplifier <laughs> and play it. So, but, you know, not, you know and, uh, so, um, but, yeah, but somehow, uh, you know, somehow uh, something was, you know, I uh, you know, I, suppose, I think a lot of shy people go on stage for the reason that, uh, for that reason. Yeah. I, it, it's psychological. I, I don't know quite, you know, why that kind of works. Uh, but I had the guitar, I could hide behind the fact I could play guitar uh, on stage, even if I wasn't behind my amp. And uh, but then, of course, when I went to the States, it became even more ridiculous. You know, I, I was expected to be I mean the audiences were wild in compared yeah. to European audiences and uh, a British audience was better but you know for in France and places like that they was they were quite sedate so when I got to the states I, I had to start drinking well not I had to start <laughs> drinking but I enjoyed it but you know it was like oh, give me a couple of scorches before I go on stage you know so I so I can get up the the uh confidence you know to, to to see all these people that were just in front of the state going crazy
0: <laughs> that must have been wild because we were talking before we started recording and i said i'm sat up here in north wales and you were born down in newbridge in south wales what was it like for you know, a kid from south wales who suddenly steps foot in america and then has audiences there just going crazy
2: well, it was a little bit scary. I mean, literally at times. I did a the first time I played Philadelphia was at the Spectrum, which was you know this huge uh, auditorium. Uh, I, I guess it's a sports sporting uh, uh, events place, you know. And uh, Sly and the Family Stone were headline. I think Dr. John was on the bill, somebody else, and Savoy Brown. We were the, we were the you know we were the first band on yeah. at that time period, and it was a revolving stage. And oh, there was like, wow. so not only was I playing with this in, illustrious company uh, on the bill, but the stage revolved and there was like thousands of people I'd never played to this many people before. And so, and every time I looked up, you know, I'd have my head down playing, you know, in all my shyness. <laughs> and as I looked up, every time I looked up, it was a different audience in front of me <laughs> because we were revolving. It was like, and I literally was like sort of, you know, a little scared. <laughs> I'm
0: not surprised in that situation as well. I mean, good job you don't have one scotch too many with a revolving stage as well. Like- <laughs> well, I
2: wasn't drinking at that point. But as, as, as we gained popularity, you know, and people knew about us, it didn't it only take a few months, you know. Uh, you know, all of a sudden, you know, uh, you know, it, it was like uh, at that point... Yeah, it's no pressure, you know, when you're an opening act, whether you're a fourth, third, second on the bill. Yeah, there's no pressure at all. Mm-hmm. But suddenly you're a headliner, that's the pressure, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you gotta, you've got to perform, you know. <laughs> Why do you
0: think it is that America took to you so quickly and in such big numbers?
2: I think it was the music. I think, mm. you know, I think the blues music is, is uh, even though we were playing to, uh, you know, a a, a new young a white audience, I, I think, you know, uh, I, I, this is just off the top of my head, you mm-hmm. asked me this question tomorrow, it might be something, <laughs> but it could be the fact that it's, you know, it's part of the musical uh, fabric of America, you know, yeah. and here we were playing uh, blues, uh, but they could identify with us, you know, and uh, you know, here was a young young kid, skinny kid, say, look at myself, you know, play, playing this interest in flying V guitar, and and it and it was very new and exciting and yet at the same time it probably rung bells because of course you know blues has been part of American fabric yeah. for, for decades so even though you might not be you might be a, a white kid living in the suburbs you know in a faint way you had seen it on TV you were aware of it and all of a sudden here was so you know you were you were guys from uh, a foreign country you know uh,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and we were adding a twist to it you know we were bringing this very young uh energy into it and and i think uh, you know it it was people could identify with it and and then a lot of people have told me from that point on you know they they investigated their own music that was always on their doorstep you know so we would be quite famous in detroit and then they would say oh there's this great uh guy you know uh, that's been doing this for 30 years playing in our own backyard and they'd go and see him so i i think we uh, yeah helped in many ways to encourage people to uh, look at the history of the blues that was right on their doorstep
0: it's good though. I like. I love that when you know you you see a band, you listen to a band, and then that leads you down a rabbit hole, discovering all types of new music. And I I started this show by saying, you know, I I first got in, into your music in the early '80s. I mean, I loved blues and and you know blues rock before then, but as far as uh, Savoy Brown specifically, the early '80s. And regular listeners to the show know that I'm a big Kiss fan. And I became a Kiss fan in 1979. So a couple of years later, I went down a rabbit hole of, okay, what's their history and who have they supported? And of course, they supported you guys back in, the what, 74?
2: Yeah, uh, um, that was their first national tour. They were third on the bill. Yeah. And uh, it was Savoy Brown, Manfred Mann's Earth Band and and Kiss. And and I thought, well, how are they going to do? Because... You know, it's it's like a musical crowd, you know, yeah. and uh, uh, and they did fantastic because it was an it was the opposite end of the spectrum. It was entertainment. It was yeah. tongue in the cheek, you know. So so we were like serious, you know, musos, and they. <laughs> And they punctured holes in our egos. It was great. I, as soon as I saw them on the first night, you know, they were third on the bill. And I went into the audience to watch them, and they had the kiss sign in front of the, the drum kit. That was about all they had, and they had the, yeah, they had the whole image, you know, the makeup. Yeah, and yeah. they were great. They were. You couldn't help but like them. It was like, oh, this is fun. <laughs>
0: and they had. I know on that tour they infamously had a terrible review which said that they would never last. And I'm so glad, (laughs) I'm so glad that I'm sat here in 2020 that not only A Kiss is still going, but you guys are still going too. I think it's fantastic.
2: Oh, it it is incredible, you know. And uh, They were not the most influential bands in rock and roll, you know, there's no doubt about it.
0: Of course, of course. And, well, wow, there is so much to talk to you about. I mean, I'd love to know, what is it about blues specifically that that drew you into music and is you know is it the blues that made you pick up the guitar in the first place
2: yes it was you know it it was honest music you know it was honest it was direct there was no bs it was uh straightforward it was folk art you know and i've always been attracted i've realized now to folk art you know and uh, because of the simplicity uh unsophisticated all those things attracted to me attracted me because you know uh the uh yeah because i like that kind of thing Yeah, you know, maybe because you know deep down i'm not those things perhaps i don't know or maybe i am but i was certain you know the the uh, uh you know i've always wanted to live a simple life you know i've always wanted all those things that i think probably an inherent in my personality i saw in the music and mm-hmm. And in many ways, you know, when the Beatles came out and I first saw them, uh, they had that same honesty and uh, no BS. You know, they didn't play, you know, rare guitars, you know, they just (laughs) played whatever guitars they had at hand, you know. And that's with the blues guys. They just played whatever guitars they had at hand. And and it was that kind of attraction. Uh, And not only did they, they, they played music, which to me was, wow, this is going to be the music of the future. You know, it was quite mm-hmm. obvious, you know, and I wanted to be, a, yeah, as a young kid, I wanted to be a part of the future. So, yeah, so when I when I heard these great blues guitar players that were just, the guitar sounded like it was singing to me. It was like a violin when I heard some of the great blues guitar players. Uh, back then, you know, when you weren't used to hearing it, at times you thought, is this a violin or what? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. they played, it was such you know, they had vibrato, they were, they, it was voice-like, they were mimicking voice, it's all it was, really, they were mimicking the voice, you know, and uh, you had the slide guitar, you had all those things, and, and it was like, I just wanted to be a part of that. So, yeah, I grew up with the 1950s rock and roll, uh, <clears throat> listening to it with an elder brother, but when I was of age, I was, say, 13 or something, you know, it was, um, I knew I wanted to play uh, blues. And it's
0: it's really interesting what you're saying then about the guitar and the emotion that you can feel from you know, guitar players and And we 'll get on to the upcoming album ain 't done yet very soon because i 've been listening to it for the last week, and really love it by the way so i, I, I can 't uh-huh. wait for everybody else to listen to it too, but the uh-huh. final track, the instrumental crying guitar, as well you know I sat there and i'm, I'm I am without word of light i 'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it it 's one of those oh, tracks wow. yeah it's it's absolutely a lovely track so, what do you do when you're putting an instrumental together? Is there a different way of, of writing a song when you don't have to bother with lyrics and you're just purely concentrating on the music?
2: Well, not really. You know, it it's um, what you're trying to do, especially on stage, you, is, is you have to will your emotions onto mm-hmm. somebody. You know, you have to like an actor, really, you know, they, they will the character onto you and you completely believe it, you know? Yeah. And and I think when you're playing, uh, you know, uh, uh you know, a ballad type of, of instrumental like that, uh, there's no difference. You know, you have a, you have, you know, if you gave me a vocal backing track now of any song, you know, I would just, uh, improvise over the top of it you know I'd, i would find a melody and a and something that i could play on the top top of that's all i do and but then i then i um you know there's two sides uh to my playing you know i have the energetic side so if i did an energetic song i would really i would f- i would force that energy onto the listener and if that makes sense yeah yeah. of course when when you're doing it live it's it's much easier to do you're you're forcing it and if i'm playing a slower song like crying guitar you know i will you know i'll dredge up that melancholy side of my personality and, and and uh feel inside of it and and it's all in the mind. You know, my my daughter started playing on the violin and wasn't doing so well. And I and I told her, you know, think of the notes as these round, you know, warm round sounds, you know. And immediately she started playing better. You know, so you envision, you know, you start thinking of these guitar lines. You start thinking of these notes in how you want to project them and. Uh, and uh, lo and behold, they come out that way. You know, you've got to leave technique aside. You know, you've yeah. got to leave. Oh, I'm going to impress somebody. If you, as soon as you start thinking that, it's gone. <laughs> you know, you've got to start thinking that these notes are beautiful. These notes are expressing your feeling. You know, it, it's all. It's all. Uh, it, it's quite deep, actually. I suppose it <laughs> is. Yeah, <And> I think
0: <laughs> blues more than any other genre of music really gives itself to that emotion as well
2: well it does you know of course uh, that's that's what i loved about the blues you know my calling card really from day one has been playing with emotion you know mm-hmm. whether that's melancholy slow or just in your face uh you know uh attacking stuff uh, so that was always my calling card sometimes at the expense of other aspects of being a musician you know but I, you try to put the whole package together as you move along but uh, but that's what another thing I, I spoke about the honesty in blues but also it was the uh, the emotion of course you yeah. know it was yeah. like oh i can get my emotions out through this yeah i'm not just going to play the guitar uh you know and you know get a nice vibrato and get the lovely melodies and blah blah i can actually physically attack the fretboard with my fingers you know <laughs> <laughs> and actually you know And actually, and it's remarkable, you know, that the physicality comes out, you know, and is part of playing, you know, you have to physically, you know, uh, you know, attack that uh, fretboard.
0: It must be so rewarding as well, after all these years still being, you know, having that ability to be so creative and, and putting that creativity out there for other persons to listen to
2: well it's 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 really very exciting you know to have chosen firstly a music like blues that is still around you know it's it's so exciting when i was 13 years old i was buying buddy guy records i'm still buying buddy guy (laughs) records you know and and how fun is that you know and i think you know you with Kiss you hope they never retire because you hope that they keep on going and of course it's different for a, a band like Kiss the pressures are enormous you yeah. know and uh, you know the so uh it, you know, they're not playing in a blues club, you know, they're playing to thousands <laughs> of people worldwide, but that's at the same time, you, you want them to keep going because it's, you, it's the roadmap of your life, you know? Mm. And so luckily I, I played, uh, you know, I picked the blues and, and the blues guys, um, uh w- w- are still around and most of them were still around so i've forgotten what your question was but you know <laughs> it was uh you know it was something that has been with me all my life and playing blues guitar and playing being a musician period or being an artist of some sort you know you never you never completely have the package you know you keep working at it and uh it's uh you know it, it's like a sports person, you know, you keep going back to 101, you one, know, yeah. you know, like if you're a, a, you're playing, I was gonna say soccer, but football, you know, you, you, you can't you, know, you, you can't forget what you learned when you were 14 years old, you know, and, and I'm sure they practice that, you know. And it's like with, even as a guitar player, you know, you you keep going back to playing the C <laughs> chord that you started with, you know, it, it, you know, it, it, you never in many ways, you never get further than that. Even though you have, you know, yeah, yeah. gone so much further. <laughs> but somehow or other, you're still the guy playing the C chord, you know, <laughs> strumming, strumming yeah. to your schoolmates. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you, you mentioned venues as well then. And earlier on, you mentioned about playing the Spectrum in Philadelphia. You've played so many Incredible venues and such a huge number of venues world, worldwide. I mean, over here you've played the the Royal Albert Hall. You've played over here in the UK. Have you got any particular favourites that you've played? What was you know what was the first venue that you stepped foot on? And you know, maybe give you shivers that you went, "Oh my word, I'm stood here."
2: Yeah, that would have been Philmore uh, East in 1969. You know, they had uh, it was a three thousand seater two thousand seater you know so it was a lovely theater an old theater
1: mm-hmm.
2: and backstage it you know you, there was like four or five flights of it was an old theater four or five stone flights of stairs that you had to it went in kind of a you know it didn't go straight up you know it went around corners it was like an old movie thing and uh you know, when you started as bottom of the bill, uh, you were at the very top, you know, <laughs> and when you were headliners, you were in the bottom. And, uh, so I started there with the band as uh, opening act, and then we got moved up and then we were second in the bill. Then we were special guest stars and then we were headliners. So it was, uh, it was great, you know, that whole progress, uh, but, On that stage is what you're asking. And on that stage, when that spotlight used to hit me and, uh, you know, I think it had to have been something to do with the audience, you know, obviously, (laughs) uh, but that spotlight would hit me. And so when I would do those melancholy guitar solos and so forth, you know, that's when it, now now I had the spotlight on me. There's, There's something about the atmosphere there. That it, you know, I felt like a hypnotist. You know, I felt like, oh, I'm really getting this feeling across, and this audience completely understands what I'm saying. Yeah, I've, I've never got over that. It's I still think of that, and I still think I was never a finer guitar player than I was in '69. You know, standing on the Fillmore uh, stage. Oh wow! Well, you
0: know, despite all the great memories that you must have. Uh, Still now, like I said, new music is coming out. The the latest album's out on August twenty eighth, and I've got to say, to begin with, I love the title. Ain't done yet. I, think that's- <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: I, I won't. I won't be shy here because I do think it was a stroke of brilliance. <laughs> it is. It is, game, definitely.
0: <laughs> yeah. As soon as I saw the title, I was I was in already before I'd even heard the first track. <laughs> <rang.
2: laughs> the power of a title exactly
0: <laughs> yeah exactly uh, and the yeah. first singles out as well which is the opening track of the album all gone wrong um and i'm always interested again at the decisions you know if it's if you have anything to do with that again is it the record company that goes okay this would be a good first track to put out and what's and what's the story behind the song as well
2: yeah i think you know luckily at my age and experience you know and uh, the respect i get mm-hmm. i work hand in hand with the people at the record label so we have oh, a meeting every yeah. thursday you know one of those uber conferences and we discuss you know what should be the title and it was pretty o- uh, what should be the single it was pretty obvious that uh, we needed something uh, up tempo yeah. and uh you know uh, it probably wasn't the time to put a ballot out <laughs> uh, so you know it's like let's this is what Savoy Brown is, energetic yeah. uh, blues rock, you know. Yeah. So it's pretty obvious once we batted around, hey, it's all gone wrong is the opening track on the album. And uh, then it, it uh, you know, the song is, it, you know, I, I try it's, it, you know, it's, it's literally it's a kind of a blues. It's a blues theme, you know, mm. if, uh, a blues theme is, is, is it's got edgy lyrics. You know, you're not going to write a song about all gone right. You know, nobody's going to (laughs) want to listen to it. Yeah. Okay, so everything's right in your life. Great. (laughs) But so it's all gone wrong. Things have gone wrong in your life. Things are not working out. And, uh, you know, it's it's, and and that happens to all of us. You know, uh, it's it's great getting up and feeling great. But it's those days when you get up and sometimes it's one or two days that you're just not. It's everything's wrong, you know, and, and you don't understand. I still don't understand how our bodies work that way, you know, and mm. things work that way. And psychologically, you just want to go to bed for a day and not yeah. see the world. So that that was you know, those kind of feelings, uh, you know, and thoughts were went into all gone wrong. And and uh, you know, it, it's uh, it's it's, you know, I, I think that when you write, uh, you you know, you write about those kind of aspects of life and. Uh, I mean, there are celebration songs. Ain't Done Yet is a celebration mm-hmm. song, you know, yeah. which is the opposite side of the spectrum.
0: And there's a really good flow to the album as well. Like you say, from, you know, from not just with lyrically and the, and the feel of them, um, but in all aspects of the music as well. I think it flows really well from, you know, through from one song to another. What was it like putting all of the tracks together? And were there any tracks that... Maybe you recorded or that you wrote and didn't record that have been put to one side. Maybe for the next album.
2: Well, that that, that has happened a number a number of times. Soho Girl was supposed to be on an earlier album, but mm. I I didn't get it right. You know, i it was too rock. I had too. You know, I think looking back, I had too aggressive a guitar tone. So. It was set aside, but it made this album. Once, you know, we were playing it better, we had a better idea of what it was. And I've got a, and for this album, I had a terrific song that my wife still talks about. And, uh, but again, it sounded a little bit like, you know, Virgin on Motorhead or something, you know. And it was like, okay, well, this is not Savoy Brown. The song is great, the groove is great. So I'm going to have to live with this for a year or so to somehow figure out how it could be a Savoy Brown song, you know. But you know, so yeah, it happens, you know. You, you, I might, you know, you've got. It's got to be Savoy Brown music, no matter how good it is. It, it can't be Motorhead or, or or the Beatles or Kiss, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, and you've out solo uh, music as well of course haven't you over the years
2: well yeah that, that's been really a sort of a boutique thing on the side you know as as a way to release pressure from being a band leader and going on the road and doing all the band stuff you know so i've done acoustic blues uh, things i did a jazzy acoustic instrumental album uh, to tell the truth it's pretty much you know recorded for my own uh, uh, happiness and uh but, uh, you know, they're, they're out there for people to explore. Uh, my mm, main yeah. thing, of course, is always Savoy Brown, but they're, they're a, uh, what do you call it, a, a antidote, you know, to yeah. the stresses of, <laughs> uh, you know, of being a, you know, of being you know, in, in Savoy Brown. Because, you know, every time you hit the stage, and uh, you know, you're, you're bringing a legacy with you Definitely, and, uh, yeah. and that, that alone is pressure.
0: Well, i can testify to to everybody listening that the the new album ain't done yet so like i said on august the 28th is well worth waiting for because i i've I've loved playing it i'd love to finish as well kim let's let's go back to how we started and let's go back to 17 year old you what what would 17 year old you think that here we are in 2020 and you're waiting on another album to come out
2: well that's that's a good question i mean I, you know, I, I don't think I ever felt that uh, this was going to continue until I got into my fifties, believe it or not. Oh wow! When I got, I know, yeah, I, 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 you know, in sixty, in sixty-eight, after the British blues boom had sort of fizzled out. Uh, which we were, you know, one of the bands that started it all. Uh, It was, you know, it became a bandwagon. Everybody jumped on it, and it started to collapse. And I think I said to Chris Hilton, the singer in the band at the time, I I think we've got two years left. And, of course, then we went to America, and it all kept going. So I've always thought, well, I've got another couple of years of doing this. (laughs) Well, I've got another couple of years of doing it. I would never lower myself to think, oh, this is great you know because you know i was too acutely aware that you know in life anything can change at any given point and yeah. and when i got in my 50s it was like oh i think i'm going to be doing this for the rest of my life <laughs> <laughs> kind of a i'm a late starter i guess yeah, yeah
0: well i for one am very pleased that you're still putting out new music here in 2020 kim that's for sure <laughs> Well, for the sake of the edit, uh, we shall say goodbye. But once again, I, I implore everybody to to buy this upcoming album. Uh, and if they're not already familiar with the music, you've you've got a good back catalogue for people to go back into, haven't you?
2: Well, this is the 42nd Savoy Brown mm-hmm. album, and that, uh, I I constantly find people uh, that. Uh, discover Savoy Brown and they'll say to me, how come I didn't know about you? You know, And that's kind of really nice because now they can go back and, and there is, uh, you know, 40 odd albums yeah. for 40 cage. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden it can be a little bit exactly. of a hobby. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you can listen to the albums, you can, you know, read the history. And, uh, I get the same thrill, you know, when I find an artist, uh, of similar kind of thing you know it's, it's exciting I'm still a fan as you can tell of mm-hmm. music and yeah. uh, so uh, it is uh, it, it's uh, I think that uh, new people that would discover the band would uh, there's something there along the way uh, in one of the albums uh, or one of the albums or songs or things that would really appeal to them because it's so v- varied over yeah, the years
0: definitely yeah. definitely well I hope the world Comes to some sort of normality quite soon, Kim. So then I can get to see you live. <laughs> you know, that, I mean, that must be frustrating for you as a performer as well, with what's happening, you know, across the world and and stopping you playing in front of
2: audiences. Yeah, it's it's weird for certain, but of course it's a very serious thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, it it's you know you balance it out against all that. You know, if if it was something frivolous, oh yeah, yeah. I don't, I, I, I you know, I don't know when I say frivolous if you you know, cracked your wrist or something as yeah, a guitar player. Yeah. It would be incredibly frustrating. You'd be mad as hell, you know, <laughs> shaking your fist at the heavens. Why did this happen to me? You know, but something like this is, you know, of course, um, uh, 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 different altogether. So, so uh, you have, you know, philosophically, you, you know, you're not railing at anybody. It's just, okay, <laughs> <laughs> this has happened and we've got to deal with it. And, uh, uh you know, I, Back in, I was very busy in January, February. I was going to take, I was taking March and April off anyway. So when the virus hit, it was timely because I wasn't doing anything. I was yeah. doing any gigs for a couple of months. But I always thought, okay, well, we'll start up in June. We'll start up in May. We'll start up July. But all those, you know, as it got you know, started in August, but all those gigs, as we get closer and closer, have all been postponed. Yeah, yeah. Till next year, my August dates two weeks ago were postponed till next, next year. Now we're looking at October. Wow. OK, now let's let's leap ahead. and I've got dates in October. Let's see what happens there. But in the meantime, uh, you know, I practice every morning. I mm-hmm. sing, play every morning in my studio. And, you know, you, I, I, I think if I got on stage tomorrow night, I would be weaker than I was back in January, February. But I would be ready to go.
1: I could
2: yeah, play. Yeah, yeah. Know, put me on a stage tomorrow night. And I could do something, but I'd probably lose my voice by the end of the night, and I'd have calluses <laughs> on my fingers. But, but uh, you know, I, I'm trying to keep myself uh, ready. I keep, you know, I, I'm I'm ready for the front line. You know, <laughs> put me in. <laughs> well, that,
0: that's really good to hear, Kim. You know, I'm much like the album title. I'm so glad that you ain't done yet. That's that's good news. <laughs> that's good news for me. Uh, but like i say for, for the sake of the edit we shall say goodbye but it's been a pleasure having a chat with you and uh, you know again i could just sit here all afternoon and chat so th- thank you once more for coming onto the show kim
2: oh well thank you for having me and uh, we'll do it again and uh, in the future hopefully
0: i hope so too thanks kim thank you and the alarm bell as always brings to an end another interview show once again, another show that I could have just sat, like I said, at the beginning, just sat for hours and chatted with Kim. What a great guy. Once again, it's always uh, a pleasure for me to chat to people who's, you know, whose work I love. But when you're talking about somebody whose career spans 50 odd years and who you know has been a part of my life for over 40 of them, and then you get to talk to them and they're such great people, it just makes it a double pleasure. It really does. Onto the usual, housekeeping, you know where we are by now, 60minuteswith.co.uk. That's the hub of everything that we do. There's a contact us form on there, or if you want to email us direct, it's contact at 60minuteswith.co.uk. There's links to our Twitter, Instagram. Again, you know all the different reasons for following all of those. There's links to affiliate links where you can save money on all sorts of stuff. But I'm taking you listening to this show because you've got some sort of interest in music if you do have an interest in music, then please check out the news page on the website. A lot of the news items that go on there are music-related, uh, links to new bands and old videos of upcoming releases that they've got. There's also some of the music shows that we do. Well, in fact, there's all of the music shows that we do, which include you know the Sound Soundcheck'em Out shows, where I talk about new up-and-coming rock bands, which is most of the time with those. And again, some established rock bands who have got new music out there. There's the regular soundcheck shows. There's like these, the soundcheck interview shows. There's Tina and Steve with their soundchecked theme tunes, which go into the more eclectic side of music. Uh, I'm mostly rock-based, as you know, if you're a regular listener. Whereas Steve and Tina, they take it more into the world of funk and jazz and pop. There's all sorts that's on there. And I've got to admit, and don't tell them this, keep it to yourselves, I really enjoy those shows and the music that they play too. So check check those out as well. So to finish the show, you're all in for an absolute treat. I had a chat with Kim F Off Air after we'd stopped recording. And I said, OK, because the album's not out, uh, I said at the beginning of the show, it's released by Quarto Valley Records on August the 28th. So I'm releasing this show just after the middle of July. And the first singles out that we started the show off all gone wrong. So I said, do you want to play an older Savoy Brown song to give people a A flavor of the band and he said no let's let's play another song from the upcoming album but let's give them a song that gives them a a flavor of that album rather than the the career of savoy brown so the song that he chose and very kindly allowed me to play on the show is called feel like a gypsy and uh, i'm sure you'll enjoy it please support the band by buying their music you can pre-order it now please support all the bands that we talk about on these shows and buy their music We've said before, it's a a tricky time to be in the music industry at, at the best of times, but with everything that's going on and the live part of their music has been taken away a lot. Support them. The least you can do is by buying their music. So let's finish the show with Savoy Brown and feel like a gypsy.